0: And a message I've entitled, which is part of our first point called, Fear is a Trap, coming from Genesis 20. So Father, we just thank you so much for this time, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to come and to get into your Word. And God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. We need to hear from you, Jesus. Lord, we need to hear from you. And so I pray, Lord, give us ears to hear uh, what your Spirit wants to tell us. God, I pray that you would empower me by your Spirit to to preach your word, to bring your word to your people in a way they can understand, in a way that we can be built up, edified, and and even maybe challenged as well. And so we just thank you for this time, Lord, and we ask you to bless it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Genesis chapter 20, it's a much milder chapter uh, than Pastor Greg had. I know it's a pretty intense chapter, chapter 19. I got to to listen to it on the way back from the airport to the island on that Sunday, and I was like, whoa, uh, it's good that Greg did it, not me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he did a great job, great job. But, but chapter 20, we're picking up in the life of Abraham. That started out with, you know, obviously taking a little, you know, detour into Lot and the things that were going on with Sodom. But now in chapter 20, we're getting into this place of fear. We're picking up back where Abraham uh, left off. And I just think about, you know, sometimes how we, as, as we grow in the Lord, how sometimes God has to take us through things over and over again to teach us like sometimes we're struggling with, you know, learning to trust the Lord, and we'll kind of go through a season, and then it seems like a couple of years later, God will just redo that all over again. You're like, man, this is just like what happened, like last year. And here I am again, struggling again, again, because maybe I didn't learn the first time. I remember uh, as a child growing up in my family, my dad's a military guy, and when we clean stuff, like it was intense. It was like, you had to use hot water to wash the dishes hot water to wash them and hot water to rinse them. And it had to be like scolding hot water. It was like, I hated washing dishes, you know, but my dad taught me about all the grease and stuff. And one of the things I hated doing, especially as fall, I know many think of us as Texas, that's where I'm from. We don't really have seasons, but we knew winter was coming because the leaves would fall like crazy. We, you know, we lived on this acre property and all along the fence there were these big, huge uh, pecan trees. Uh, and so every year it was fun. We'd pick pecans and my mom would make us pecan candy, which was always fun, but we had to rake the leaves. And so I'd rake the leaves and I wanted to go skating or whatever, you know, I'd rake them, rake, them, rake them, and I'd take them. okay, dad, I'm good to go. You know, and then he would go back out there and he would look, he goes, nope, it's not good enough. Uh, and I'd go out there and I'd rake, 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 rake you know, do this, and I, you know, I'd get this huge blanket. I remember I would just rake them on a blanket and then drag them out, you know, to the middle of this field where we would burn them. And i do that, okay, dad, I'm good to go, good to go Nope. It's not going look at all those leaves along the fence and then this is what he would tell me it annoys me my kids hate it too now I, I use the same thing if you don't do it right the first time you're gonna have to do it again and so it was so annoying man i would just do it and do it but then one day i finally embraced it i just embraced it you ever get to that point when you're a kid and maybe your dad's and you just embrace it it's like okay whatever i'm just gonna do it and i got in there getting you know the leaves right in those things and it got to a point finally where I could do it and say, Dad, I've done, and then I could just take off. But it's hard, right? Because you, you, it's that repetition. It's like having to do that again. And I, and I really believe, like, as we look at t- chapter 20 today, it's kind of the same thing. Abraham is finding himself in a situation that's very much like what happened way back in chapter 12, which would have been years and years previously. He's doing it all over again. And we find this time, really, what we're seeing, and I, what I believe the Lord is sharing with us this morning, is that fear is a trap fear is a trap. So let's look at chapter 20. We're picking up in these first three verses or first two verses. This is what it says. And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister and Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Doesn't that sound familiar again? She is my sister. See, it was time for Abraham to move on. And maybe it was time just to get away from all the things that had happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he's moved away to a land that's rich, that's that's great, great pasture land. It eventually becomes the capital city of the Philistines. And so now Abraham is much older and possibly even wiser. But it didn't mean that he automatically now was at a place where he yielded himself to the Lord. You see, age doesn't give you a pass on your faith. Each day, no matter whether you know, you're young or old, each day is a step of faith. And hopefully, by and large, I think most of us, right, if we, we're building up time, where we're walking with the Lord. Yes, that can be true where we're becoming wiser. But there is times when God just has us go through things because we didn't learn the first time. See, it doesn't matter how old you are, 16 or 58, new in the faith, or a senior saint, if there's to be any quote-unquote success in being a follower of Jesus, it begins and lasts with being yielded to the Spirit of God on a day-by-day basis, right? Once again, we find Abraham repeating the sins of the past. He's dwelling in this new land, and and probably, and we find it, surrounded by these heathen kings, right? And and I believe, out of fear, he does it again. It's from chapter 12, verse 13. Hey, do me this kindness, and if anyone asks, you're my sister, right? Because he's fearful. He's afraid. He's scared, and then he begins to fear, right? Fear was involved once again, and it wasn't the good kind of fear, the right kind of fear, right, uh, of, of having this fear of God, where, where uh, I believe it's the psalmist says that the, the fear of God, right, is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom and so forth. No, this was simply that he was fearing man. And I know being afraid, being fearful, it, it's an unpleasant emotion, right? At its source, right, you're afraid that something might happen to you, you know, your life might be in danger and so forth. You know, fear is not, no one likes to be afraid. Maybe some of us, we like watching scary movies or intense movies because we like the experience of fear. But most of us don't like fear. My wife hates fear. My kids love it. Like the joy in their life, especially one little one, loves to scare my wife. He'll hide in the closet, whatever, and just like, rah, but the, you know, and she will scream. But the funny thing about Anna is you could do it 20 seconds later, and she'll get scared again. Like, it just happened. And went, Greg's smart guy tested her in between services and scared her. Like, just walking alongside, rah, and she got scared. No one likes to be scared. That's a fearful thing, especially when it comes to people, right? We find that Abraham begins to fear for his life which we're going to find that fear is a trap. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 4, He says, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has the power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. But even more so, in Proverbs nineteen twenty-five, specifically dealing with with humans, right? With people. Solomon, I believe, would say this, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe, right? Abraham feared for his own life. He feared that he would be killed because of the customs and the wickedness of those kings. Fear can put us in dangerous situations and at times can even harm those we love because of that fear. It's a dangerous motivator, Fear drove him, in this story we're going to find, to protect himself, right? But what happened in that process, he became self-centered. He began to focus on self-preservation. Now Abraham, you know, here we find, you know, as he's going on, you know, the, the, the king, Abimelech, the king of Gerar, in that situation, his fear is right and then he takes Sarah, right? But part of that was like, he might kill me. Right, and that's the custom of, of the pagan kings in those days. Right, they see ladies out there, and, and they're like, "Oh, this, that would be good to add to my harem." So those kings, right or wrong, would just add wives randomly. Right, and so his thought was like, "Man, if he wants Sarah, right, if he wants Sarah, he's gonna take me down." Now, now. Other times, they would take wives because it was the political advantage, right? Abraham, by this time, we believe that, man, his reputation probably preceded him. He was a warrior king. I mean, he's growing. He took out the enemies of, of, of Sodom and Gomorrah, remember that, beforehand and rescued Lot. So I imagine like, okay, marrying this guy into his family, that's advantageous for me. And so this King Gerar sees Sarah. Now, mind you, side note, by this time, she's in her 90s, man. She's in her 90s. At 90s, and 90 years old, she's still turning heads. Like, oh, who's that? That's grandma. What are you looking at? <laughs> like, what do you mean? You know? Uh, years ago, I remember I was listening to Pastor's Perspective. It's a radio uh, show. You call in, ask biblical questions. And, and there was Pastor Chuck at the time. Um, He's sin, pa- since passed away, but I don't know. He was in his late 80s or something. And another older gentleman called into the program. And, and he asked Pastor Chuck, he goes, hey, look, I'm, I think it was something like 78 or something. He asked Pastor Chuck, look, I'm 78, and I got to ask you, like, this whole thing with lust, like, does it go away? Does it, like, like, when does that stop? I'm 78 years old. And Pastor Chuck was like, it doesn't. Like, it doesn't. So who knows, man? Like, maybe this is, like, a 90-year-old King of Gerard, and he's like, hey, here's another 90-year-old sweet lady. Like, come on over here, you know? And so he comes and takes her, Right? And it's possible, right? I mean, this gal, she she stood out, but in the process, because of Abraham's fear, she becomes a casualty. See, fear can cause us to do irrational things. It can cause us to hope in the wrong thing or in the wrong person. And in this case, Abraham began to hope in himself, right? I know what I'll do. It didn't work the first time, but maybe this time it'll work. Things will be different. Just say, do me this kindness that you are my sister, right? And we'll figure this out. We'll get through this together. But what happens? She becomes a casualty. A friend of mine recently said this, if I choose to take things into my own hands, I will always regret it. It boils down to this. I think I can take care of myself better than God can. But the reality is it's the beginning of the end. When we put ourselves in a place, especially in the context of fear, where we think we can do better than what God can do. We begin to act in this way because we begin to assume things about ourselves and about other people. That's what fear does. Verse 11 tells us what Abraham was thinking, right? When, when, when Abimelech comes to him, like, man, what were you thinking? Abraham's like, well, look, I thought to myself, surely the fear of God is not in this place, right? And they will kill me on account of my wife. Like, he just assumed, like, I'm afraid this is what's going on, and this is what they're probably going to do. They're probably going to kill me. And so Abraham, in that process, he kind of becomes the judge and thinks, man, they don't fear God. They're going to kill me. And because he began to fear He did that instead of trusting in God, right? Remember, fear is a trap. In Isaiah 41.10, it says this, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. But even more so, when we find ourselves in difficult situations where, yeah, fear is looming and we're not sure what to do, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I mean, it's like this thing that I mean, It's like some of the first verses I ever learned as a, as, a, as a young believer. But very powerful. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. And I think honestly, sometimes what we do is when we're in a place in a difficult situation and we're fearing the unknown, we do a lot of thinking and then call it prayer. We do a lot of like, mm, hey, how's that situation going? What are you going to do? I don't know. I've just been praying about it. But the, the, the honest answer is, if we're honest, is that we haven't really prayed at all. We've just been thinking about it. We've allowed it to consume our minds. And because it's consuming us, we begin to fear and we begin to process decisions through that. But when we're taking those decisions of fear because of fear and not actually trusting the Lord with the results and all those things, man, it can be dangerous. You see, the fear of man is a snare. Now, the word "snare" here means to bait or to lure, and the word "picture" is is to trap or to, to catch an animal. You know, going back to my early days as a kid, you know, Miss Jones, you know, that she's the gal that that boarded our house and helped us pick on trees. She often had a hard time with uh, possums. Possums are nasty. Man, they would get in there. They would fight with the cats. They would take the cat food and whatnot. And so, what my dad would do is he would get this little metal trap, right? And he would put cat food in there, and then the possum would come in and boom, get stuck. And then we'd take this possum out to the back, and we would just—no, I'm just kidding. We didn't do that. We we felt bad. We didn't want to kill it, so we would let it loose. But then it would be like the same process over again. You know, it's just—some people eat possums in the south, man, which is really gross. You know, if you're Beverly Hillbillies, I guess, but you know, not, you know, not that. But what would happen is those guys would get mad. They would be mad in that cage. You would see their little teeth. I, one day as a kid, we were camping down in the backyard, playing hide and go seek in the middle of the night, and I came face to face with a possum. I remember like running through the bushes and tripping and falling, and then like right in my face was like this possum, like, and then took off, and it was scary deal, man. Scary deal. See, the fear of man is a trap. But it's not just men. The fear of anything can lead us down dark roads. It can overwhelm us to the point that we're no longer trusting in God. And I really believe right now many good, decent people are trapped in fear. Trapped in fear. The fear of the unknown. The fear of a virus. The fear of uncertainty. The fear of losing our jobs. The the fear of relationships. The fear of death. All these things, when they're consuming us, they help us to make weird and irrational decisions, right? The fear of leaving social media. Many of us are, we know, like, we should just get off of social media. But what happens is you have FOMO, right? Do you guys know what FOMO is? Yeah, fear of missing out. So then you're like, oh, and so then you just, like, you're in this perpetual state of anger and frustration and fear because even that one doesn't play out right. Now, all these things are real concerns, and I don't want to downplay the relevance of some of these, right? Some of these things can really play an important part in our lives, but here's the deal. If we let them consume us, then that fear becomes a trap. We become like a wild animal that's caught in a trap that lashes out when someone tries to help release us from those traps. That's what's going on today. We're so caught up in fear that any time someone offers a different perspective or word of encouragement, we lash out. It's like fear oozing out. But I leave the word. I believe the word for us and, and the lesson that God is even teaching Abraham is that it's time to put our trust in the Lord to put our trust in the Lord, to allow Him to handle the results and the situations that we're in, right? None of this is, as, as Solomon would say earlier, right? None of this is new to the Lord. It's Nothing is new under the sun. It might wear different clothes and it might be a different time and a different place, but nothing is new under the sun. And so maybe some of us this morning are caught up in fear, and fear is driving how we live our lives, and it's driving how we make decisions. But what's happening is it's causing division within our own marriages. It's causing division with our own communities and even our own country. But here's the good news for us as a believer. See, God is faithful even when we're caught up in fear. Even when we're caught up in fear, He is our defense. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? I love that the reputation of the Lord was already out and about right? Because that was the same thing that Abraham told God. Like, would you slay the righteous with the wicked? Like, it was out and about, right? That God was a righteous and a holy God. And so he says there, did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she even herself said, he is my brother in the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands. I, I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart for I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. Man, God is on it, man. God is faithful on multiple levels. He is faithful to Abraham. I mean, look at how God intervened. He tells Abimelech, you are a dead man. It's like the equivalent of a dad coming to the porch with a shotgun to protect the would-be quarter, right? Like, you're not taking my daughter anywhere. Like, you know, get off the table, right? (laughs) I was like, you're out of here, man. Get off the porch. I felt that way recently. I was telling the first service that uh, my daughter's uh, soccer photos came back, you know, and there's this little cute pose where they're like this, and their soccer's on their ankles, and I was like, who put the soccer ball in your ankles? Like, I wanted to know. Thankfully, it was Coach Kevin, and I was like, okay, good. Like, stay away from girls, you know, stay away from my girls, you know? Now, it's not that, obviously, Abimelech was a man of integrity overall, but in his own mind, he knew the rules, right? He would not just take any man's wife. That doesn't mean that he didn't have multiple wives himself. It just simply reveals that he was a better man than even Abraham assumed. Right? Abraham was fearful. He's going to kill me. He's going to take me out. He had all these thoughts. His, his mind, his imagination was running rampant. But also, God protected Abimelech from sinning and tainting the promised son that would come through Abraham and Sarah. Like, I did not let you touch her. You thought it was because of you. I didn't let you touch her, right? Because there needed to be no shadow of a doubt that the promised seed would come through Abraham and Sarah. There had to be no doubt. I mean, God just stopped it all, right? Here's why. Because once again, we find that God was being faithful, not just to Abraham, but God was being faithful to the promise, even when Abraham wasn't. Remember that covenant he made with Abraham? Like, you know, with with all the the offerings he laid out, you know, there, and then God himself, like, like, lit him on fire, and God himself passed through. It was like, once again, God remaining faithful to the promise that he made to Abraham. And I believe in the New Testament, we find a verse that that really shares that for us as followers of Jesus. Because again, we can look at ourselves and we can feel condemned. We can feel like, man, I know I am struggling in fear. I'm all, you know, and and so is that going to mess up, you know, God's plan for me or whatever the case may be? But you know what? Here in 2 Timothy 2.13, I love this. It says this, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. God remains faithful even when we're faithless, even when we're blind, even when we're caught up in fear, right? I mean, we are looking to the Lord, but man, fear has just gripped us. God remains faithful. And you've got to understand that, especially when maybe, you know, again, we have households, and maybe even in, within households, there's different opinions about everything that's going on and all this kind of stuff. And we want, you know, we want to get mad at our spouses, or, you know, we're not doing this or that, or even our community, all that stuff. You know what? We, we don't have to put the blame on anyone. We can trust the Lord, because even if I'm, even if I'm blowing it, man, the Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. And so because of this situation, right, God brought a plague on the people for the sake of Sarah. No one was getting pregnant during this time. I don't know how long they were there, but it got to a point where I've been like, like, what is going on? Like, no one's growing, if you know what I mean. Like, what is going on here, right? And they finally hit him, right? There would be no shenanigans going on until Sarah was safe. Right? God remained faithful to the promise to come. And again, as I said earlier, isn't this a comforting thought? That on the one hand, we can get bummed and, out and we can really revel in self-condemnation because we know we're caught up in fear. And it can be plaguing us, and we've prayed, and we are prayed, and we're asking God, like, help, help, God, I know the right thing. I know that you're going to be faithful. I know. Like, I can look back at my past, that I can see every time I've blown it, or every time things seem to go awry, right, you, God, were there. You were faithful. Lord, help me, remind me of that in this moment, that just like you were faithful in the past, that right now you're going to be faithful in the present. And what do we find again, we see God, once again, remaining faithful even when we're not. But here's another part for us, like a maturing part for us as followers of Jesus. See, God is faithful, but sometimes there's no escape from the consequences. God is faithful, but sometimes we stop to walk through the consequences of our choices. Look at verse 8. So Abimelech, he rose early in the morning, and called all his servants and told all these things in their hearing, and they were very much afraid. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? How have I offended you that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you have in view that you've done this thing? Like, what were you thinking, man? Like, why would you do this to us, right? It's kind of what he's saying. And Abraham said, because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will kill me on account of my wife. But indeed, she is truly my sister, right? She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. Still sounds a little unkosher, but in those days, good to go, okay? And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, this is your kindness that you should do for me. In every place, wherever we go, say of me, he is my brother. Ouch. You see, finally, we see again Abraham being rebuked by someone who did not even have the same relationship with God that he had. Abraham was in a covenant relationship with the God of the universe, the God of the miracles, the God of of righteousness and holiness. And yet this king who was likely, like had multiple wives and probably more than likely because we know this turns out to be the capital city of the Philistines later, that he worshiped false gods and he acted more righteous than Abraham even. This is the end result of fear. Not only can it do harm to the people we love, but it also can cloud who we are before the Lord. It can cause us to forget our calling and purpose and distract us. And normally, you know, it, it, you know, we may even be more prone to do things we normally would not. Like lie and bend the truth. It's heavy when you have someone who doesn't in the Lord bring God's like rebuke to us. That's heavy, man. The world acting more righteously than, than followers of Jesus. I remember I was telling the earlier service too. Back in the day, when I was doing part-time work, I worked at this uh, promotional products company. You know, we did screen printing, t-shirts, embroidery, all that, you know, pans, mugs, and I was like a salesman there and for a buddy of mine, and, and you know, we did that. And you know, it was crazy. You know, some of my, unfortunately, some of my worst customers were the church. You know, I remember going in particular to Uh, this one like restaurant, five-star restaurant. I did all like their chef coats and all that. I would come in there and the guy would be like, oh, come in here, you know, and he'd be like cussing at like all like his employees and get over there. And he'd he'd pat his wife on the butt as he walks by. He's like, how much money is this going to cost me? I was like, this, this, all right. How much you want? You want a check right now? I'll get you a check right now. Yeah, I could use a deposit. That'd be awesome, you know? And then I'd get all this stuff done, all detailed. Yep, that looks good. That's good. You get what you think is the best quality. That's what I want. Okay. And I'd come in bring him his stuff, and he goes, just wait here, go get a coffee, we'll, we'll get you a check. And I was thinking, this guy is like foul, but man, he's like pain on time. And then sometimes churches would call me, like, hey, so what's like the best deal I can get? Can you give me like, you know, can we get a, like a net 90 and all this stuff? And I'm like, sure, we'll work with you, and I, we get it, you know, we're Christians too, and all this stuff, and we do all this stuff, and then we'd go back and forth, back and forth, tweaking, changing stuff you know, and then they'd come back and like, hey, so, you know, we need deposit. We're bringing your stuff. Oh, yeah, you know, the secretary will get it. I mean, these are, I can think of two in particular churches in my mind, you know, and then it became drawn out, and then it was just like a headache, and it was sad because I think of that, like, that's a reflection on me. That's a reflection on us. It's sometimes we, as believers, we can, you know, have this horrible witness, and sometimes the world is more righteous than me. Like, it's like, it's not new. Now, that's not always the case, there is definitely, and I, I do want to, because I don't want to bag on the church. I love the church. And there is definitely some churches that I dealt with that were awesome to work with for sure. But here we find that God, and this is what's humbling, uses this unbeliever to correct him, to rebuke him. I mean, one, you look at it, Abimelech was used by God to rebuke Abraham. Look what he tells him. How have I offended you that you brought me on, that you brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds that ought not to be done to me. Well, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one, uh, each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? Now, sometimes, you know, being corrected like this and being humbled, man, it can be huge, but it's tough. It's not easy being rebuked by the Lord at times. And it can definitely be humbling, but I believe that God. You know, when I think back of some of, and I, 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 know I can, I can't count how many times I've blown it, but I know those times, just like when I was a kid, when I embrace the correction of the Lord, when I just go and just embrace it, man, those are some of the times I look back, and those are the greatest moments of like maturity and growth, when we just embrace the discipline of the Lord. But sometimes, guys, we, we fight it. Like, we just don't want to endure it. No one can tell us anything. No one can tell us anything. We, we don't do wrong. No one can tell us anything. We never mess up. We never blow it. And, and, you know, our spouse sometimes will try to correct us. We've got our pastor who will try to lovingly correct us. And we're just resist, resist, re-resist. And the sad part is we miss out on God's kindness. We miss out on God wanting to mature us and grow us and teach us that we can truly trust Him. It's one of the marks, just like receiving the blessings and the grace of God is part of being a child of God, having the forgiveness of God, having God be faithful even when we blow it. The other part of that, it's just as, and it's hard to to grasp it in the moment, it's just as good to also then receive the rebuke and the chastisement of the Lord. It's part of the process. It's part of God's gift to us, right, as He loves us and uses and matures us. That's one aspect of fear, and even rebuke and chastisement. But here's the other part about fear in this situation: fear caused him to forget who he was and where he came from, and in that process, he ri- misrepresented God to Abimelech. Look at Look at verse 13. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, right. And he goes on and explains, you know, hey, say you're my sister, you know, and whatnot. But look at the wording, and it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house. As as though my father, that's the safe place to be, and God, you caused me to wander. The word wander there is actually a bad word that he's using. It means to move about without any fixed course, without any aim, or go to just be idly about. In that process of fear and and worry and not trusting God, he forgot who he was. I mean, if you look back to Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 and 9, I mean, it's one of the most famous verses in verses of the Old Testament. It was when God called Abraham from his father, right? Come out from among your family to a place that I will show you. And you see like this heritage of Abraham following God. In fact, later on in in uh, Acts, like I think it's like chapter 7 and 8, you know, you have the stoning of Stephen, like Stephen gives an account, and God called our forefather Abraham and called him out to a place that he would show him, and he made a great nation. There's like this awesome attachment to that history, and here, in the middle of fear and not trusting, Abraham replaces that calling with God caused me to wander. God caused me just to wander about the wilderness, all aimless and stuff. So what else am I going to do? It's almost like the wording, the the way you could hear it in his voice. And yet God was faithful. God was faithful, right? Despite Abraham and his witness and calling, they, they were not even changed. So we have to be reminded right now, even in the middle of our fear, be reminded of who you are, right? You are a child of the King, you are bought with a price, right? The fact that we live and breathe and are in a re- covenant relationship with God who, who God, who we can go to and ask for forgiveness, and, and He removes our sins as far as the East is from the West, right? God who holds our future in the palm of our hands, right? There is truly, and I know it's been cliche for many during this time, like the best is yet to come, but it's such, a, 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 such an important truth for us as followers of Jesus because it is true. There is still so much more to come. All the things that we see and all the things that have the potential to cause us to fear and to worry, they're all temporary. They're all temporary. We just need to, at times, be reminded of who we are. And just like this, God is faithful even despite us. And even his witness and his calling were not changed. Look what happens in verse 14. Man, and this is a little humble here too, man. Then Abimelech took sheep, oxen, male and female servants, and he gave them to Abraham. And he restored Sarah, his wife, to him, and Abimelech said, See, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. Then to Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody. Thus she was rebuked. And so Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his female servants. Then they bore children, for the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah and Abraham's wife. Can you imagine that? Talk about a nice, big, fat serving of humble pie. Like, Abraham caused all this because of his fear and not trusting in the Lord. And when it's all said and done, he's like, here, Abraham, come and lay hands on Abimelech to pray for him. Like, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> like, you know, it was, it was this humble pie. Right, God, but here's the reality: God is much bigger than our mistakes. And even when we mess up, even when we blow it, God is able to work all things for good. That's the problem with taking matters into our own hands. We think we can do better than God, and yet not even our mistakes can mess up what God has in store for us. Oh, oh the, the road might be a little bit longer; it might be a little bit more windier because of our mistakes. But God is faithful. Abimelech was the victim, and yet he's the one who winds up blessing Abraham, right? And Abraham had no choice. I mean, earlier on, it was like when he saved Sodom, he was like, nope, not taking anything, just my people, Let let them take what they need, but we're good to go. Here, it's like, okay, like just taking everything, right? Taking all this wealth and treasures. And yet, even though Abraham messed up, it didn't change who he was. God still used them to pray for this king and God used them to clean up the mess. I think part of this is 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 teaching Abraham to be a truth teller, to deal with things the way they are, right? To not be afraid to tell the truth and to walk in truth and even like your own convictions before the Lord to be able to lay those out and to trust God with the results. I know some of us, we're afraid to do that, right? Because we're, we're afraid of the results or where it might lead us. But remember, the fear of man is a snare. And when we tell the truth and we're able to walk in the truth because of our convictions in Jesus, not convictions because of your political convictions or any of these things, but simply the truth of who you are in Christ because of who you are as a follower of Jesus, laying those truth out, I really believe it teaches us to learn to trust in the Lord. And it points people to Jesus. In fact, in John chapter 18, in closing, right, and Pilate is like giving Jesus an opportunity to lie, to to, to not walk in his own truth, right? He's like, look, don't you know that I have the power to release you? I have the power to let you go. So tell me now plainly, are you the king of the Jews, right? Jesus could have said no and been like, you know, and, and you know that's, that's, his, that's the human part of Pilate, right? Not understanding the gravity of what was going on. And he asked Jesus, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born and for this cause they have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? Well, Jesus defined what truth is, right, earlier in John chapter 14, verse 6. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. And I love that. Fear is a trap, but when we come to the Lord in truth, just like Abraham could add that, just here I am, yep, she's my wife, and then trusting the Lord, because he was trusting, right, he was trusting in God. It gives us an opportunity to respond the same way and to point people to Jesus when we walk in that truth, when we look to right, the giver of truth, which is, which is Jesus Himself. Let's pray.